Hey, folks, welcome back. Hey, have you ever thought about getting into land development? Well, if you have, pay close attention because that's what today's guest, zooming in from beautiful Calgary, Alberta, we've got Tara Eritea. I just I just, I just butchered your name, Tara. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> she, she is zooming in and uh, that's what she focuses on is on real estate development. So welcome. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dave. All right. So for folks that don't know you yet, tell us a little bit about the Tara story, the, the backstory. How did you get involved in real estate investing? And especially how did you get involved in land development? Yeah. Um, well, real estate investing is something I've always had an interest in. And um, like most people dabbled in it. and I'll call it dabble because, you know, you buy your first home and then you buy a rental property and then you add another rental property in it. So I dabbled in it for a number of years um, for, you know, a couple decades. Um, and then really a couple years ago, I, I decided to get very serious at it and actually got myself a coach and, um, and started systematically acquiring more properties. So wonderful. Um, so it was a progression. Mm -hmm. So what was that initial spark? What was it that got you interested? Do you remember? Did you read a book? Did you know somebody who was doing it? What I think what I observed a couple people around me. Um, so I think at the at the very minimum, I observed a couple people who were house hacking, house hacking, so to speak. I didn't know that that was the term for it, but that's what the, they were doing. Yeah. And so we were all students and these were, you know, young people my own age. And so in their early 20s, like, you know, 20 year olds, 21 year olds, their parents had co-signed for a house, you know, with them. And they had six bedrooms and they lived in one bedroom and they had five other people renting from them. So a combination of house hacking and student rentals. That's right. Awesome. That's yeah. right. A combination of house hacking and student rentals. And I thought, oh, that's neat. <laughs> and I was one of the I was one of the tenants. And I thought that's a smart way to buy property. So yeah, and I think that's the the initial spark that kind of got me into. Very it. good. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. There usually is something that goes there. All right. And it sounds like you've had an interesting progression. So, mm -hmm. what year was it that you bought your first investment property? Do you remember? Yeah, two thousand and six. I got my first investment property, not my first home or purchase, but it was an investment property, two thousand and six, and it was um at the height of the boom in calgary alberta well it yeah. was a worldwide boom at that time yeah. and i think we bought it and i think two months later it really dropped in value it like the we i mean we got it right at the peak um and so that was my first investment property and it was a condo downtown that we were convinced was going to the way things were going was going to double in value in the next you know five years we were yeah, all just, just like they had in the previous point. five years right just so like that's exactly just like they had in the previous five years because this was all going to go and at that and then at this point in my real estate investing journey i hadn't understood the cycles of real estate yet you yeah. know um that these things go up and down and novice investors try to time them and you really can't time it that's just luck so you don't want to put your success down to luck Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good lesson to learn on your first property. So Absolutely. what did you end up doing with that one? Did you dump it? Did you hold on to it? Did it turn out? We to held be on to it because yeah. we had no choice. <laughs> so if we had dumped it, we, you know, we didn't have the money to pay the thousands of dollars. That mortgage, so we held on to it. Um, so first of all, you know, we calculated that we were going to rent it out for a certain amount. And pretty quickly, the rents changed. Because Calgary was going through, you know, an oil boom, just like everybody else was at that time. But when the oil booms change in Calgary, then everybody leaves. They go back to Nova Scotia or Ontario or wherever it is that they're from. 
And yeah. so the demand went down and then the, you know, the prices of rent went down. And so then we got caught trying to subsidize the, you know, the, the, the value of the apartment on a month to month basis, you know, two, three, 400 bucks a month, whatever was needed yeah. and just rented it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how long, held that, on to it for 13 how, years. how long did that happen? How long did that go on for before it turned around for you, Tara? You know what? It's just turning around this week. It's funny that you should ask me. <laughs> it's just turning around this week. So, um, but it's it's been a journey. It's um, it's 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 been a journey differently. So we've had cycles and busts. So we've had times where the rents went back up. So it was impossible to find a place to rent. And again, we could rent it out to anybody. And through this time, this is where I really learned how to be a landlord. I learned everything, mm. you know, on how to be a landlord and how to position your property best for maximum rent and get the best tenants in there because there's actually a lot to learn you know in that process um so we tried different strategies we tried airbnb which was a great strategy you know mm -hmm. we tried long-term furnished um that was also a great strategy and we tried different things over the years to try and make sure that the property actually cash flowed and that we maximized it because we weren't prepared to lose um a huge amount of of money by selling it upside down Right. And then the times that we were ready to sell, the it was just very short periods of time in the market because the condo market has been quite interesting, especially downtown condo in Calgary, Alberta. So Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. interesting, Tara. Well, hats off to you. Most people would have gone through that experience, thrown up their hands and said, I'm never buying another piece of rent revenue real estate again. That's but right. you didn't do That's that. Right. So what, after that kind of sobering experience with the the condo, what were your next investments? What kind of properties did you buy after that? Yeah, so I bought a couple of fourplexes. So I've over the years, I've learned that multifamily is a great way to invest because then you can hedge yourself against the downturns in the economy, which do come. Um, yeah. So if you, instead of having just one unit that you're dependent on, you know, to pay the mortgage, if you have two, three, four, um, 10 units that you're dependent on, that's much better. So, you know, I've gone on to invest in, you know, multifamily properties and fourplexes, um, and then looking at getting into, like you said, um, on my first uh, land development project of actually building my own multifamily nice. units as well. Yeah. Very nice. All right. So before we start talking about land development, tell me, Tara, a little bit about what kind of a portfolio of long-term buy and hold properties did you build up to? Um, well, you know, like I mentioned, a uh, couple fourplexes. So I, mm -hmm. I started into the multifamily um, and recognizing that, you know, if you you just do sort of do the math, you know, you buy mm -hmm. one house for five hundred thousand dollars and maybe that's a three bedroom house. And so you can rent that out for maybe two thousand dollars or um, twenty five hundred dollars. But if you buy a fourplex and each of them have two bedrooms in, you can probably rent each of those units out for maybe 1700 it just made more sense when you take the number and you divide it the, the amount of money that you're getting per door was much more and so these are some of the things that i learned over the years you know when you're into real estate investing in novice you're just doing the math of how much can i get on a monthly basis based on one unit but really mm -hmm. the there's there's better numbers to look at like your cap rates and um the amount of your cash on cash investments and those types of things so yeah wonderful Mm -hmm. All right. So now you're, you're moving into the whole land development side of things. Walk me through your thinking there. Why do you want to go from buying existing buildings 
to building brand new ones. And if you are doing land development, are you planning on holding on to those properties or selling them? It's a great question. Um, I think that I've tried my hand at BRR strategies. I'm not sure if you know your, your listeners are familiar to that, but the buy, renovate, refinance, flip, repeat type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and land development is great because in times like this, when there's low inventory, you basically create your own rental property. Um, first of all. And so instead of looking out there and being dependent on the inventory that's on the market, you can create your own. The second thing is that you can um, you can acquire brand new properties, which are much less maintenance for at least the 10 years, um, the first 10 years of the, you know, the lifespan of the property. So much less maintenance that way. Um, and you attract a different kind of clientele. You attract a different kind of tenant because you have the brand new properties that are brand spanking new and you can charge premium rents for those types of properties that are much nicer purpose-built rentals or um, purpose-built to sell and And what are you planning on doing which one yeah both both i think which which one first i guess rentals rentals okay yeah Yeah. and rentals absolutely all right well that makes a lot of sense so if i understood you properly you're saying you like this idea because number one you're not dependent on finding a deal and then having to fix it up and, you know, evict tenants to renovate pro- units and, and all that kind of stuff that can be a really big hassle. Yes. Plus you're, you're buying somebody else's headache, so to speak. You got to figure out what, what's the matter with this thing. And there's the supply and demand side of things. On the other hand, if you build it from the ground up, you're much more in control. You are, creating the inventory as you said and you're creating something beautiful and new and in high demand because everybody loves beautiful new buildings so you're able to attract a higher level tenant and charge a premium rent because it's a brand spanking new building and then long term management wise at least property management wise you're you're should be covered by warranties and whatnot for five to ten years so there's a lot less stress on you with these kind of uh, new builds. What what would you say might be the downside to them? Mm. The downside is, well, number one, you still have to get involved in the construction process. And so if you're the type of investor that does not like renovations, or you don't like new builds and new constructions, then stay away. Because construction, regardless of which angle you look at it and which side you look at it, it's full of problems. It can be quite problematic and, you know, deal with delays and those types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't want to deal with that, then you might want to just buy the end product and buy a purpose-built rental that's already been done. Somebody else has done the rezoning and the construction and the permits and Mm -hmm. all those types of things. Um, But I have a background in construction. And so that's something that has become very advantageous for me. Um, I expand my portfolio. So yeah. well, just out of curiosity, what is your background in, in, in construction besides doing your own, you know, getting burrs done on, on okay. family so I worked. So um, uh, one of my other careers that I have is an accountant and I worked in a construction company for about 13 years. Oh, okay. um, I did lots of other things other than accounting. I you know, was also the operations manager, the project manager, and eventually ran the company um, <laughs> as well. So I was very familiar with, and it was mostly constru- um, commercial construction projects. Okay. So big buildings. And so very familiar with the process of, you know, um, digging and, you know, putting the drywall in and the plumbing, yeah. electrical and what, you know, that whole process and what it looks like. And um, when I started in that industry, I was very intimidated by construction. 
very intimidated by it. I would imagine I if you got no background in it, you course, got no experience in it. You're, it. you're an accountant. It's been plugged it. yeah. into this thing. That would be but, intimidating. Right, right. But, you know, after years of, of doing that and getting walking around job sites with my heart hat on and, and hearing the guys swear at each other and maybe stopping a few fights too, it became <laughs> less intimidating. So again, you know, I have this philosophy that when you encounter a, a difficulty or a problem or an area that you're unfamiliar with, you can either grow through it and it, you, you can use that for your future life or it can sink you. And so, you know, being a landlord for the terrible investment that I made in that rental property many years ago was one of the best things in hindsight that I did. I learned so much from that experience. And also, you know, being in construction, I've learned so much from that experience that has really helped me today. And so, well, by well not, not only really, that, but I would imagine like, it's not, you, you've seen it so much. It's not scary for you. It's nothing right. new. It's kind of same old, same old applied to yourself personally you know how to manage crews you know how to make sure they aren't trying to pull the wool over your eyes you you're you're a numbers person so you know what things should cost and and can pick it up if if somebody's trying to rip you off so yeah you're in a very good position to get going with this so what's what has been your learning curve when it comes to actually doing a land development deal like what what did you have to kind of learn off the job that you weren't learning on the job? Um, I think the thing that I had to learn off the job was the full cycle of trying to understand how much is this actually going to bring in for you? Hmm. What is the profitability of this particular project from a real estate standpoint, not from a construction standpoint, but from hmm. a real estate standpoint, because then you have to factor in um, what am I renting it out for after I build it? Um, what are my costs after I build it? What about the interest rates? And also factoring that it's a lot, it's a much longer term play. So unlike a building that I can see today and purchase and close on it within three months, um, a typical land development project will usually take it between at least a year um, between two years, you know, for a small project, maybe sometimes longer. And mm -hmm. so a lot can change in that time. And so factoring, there's a lot of risk factors involved in that, you know, the economy changes, the, the cost of construction changes, um, interest rate change, rentals, interest rates. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people got caught unawares caught when Bank of Canada jacked up the rates so many times. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So those are the things that you need to look at a little bit differently when you're doing a land development project and you have to think differently. I think, you know, when it comes to that, um, the other thing is I do love this part of it, but the thing I love about land development is the creativity that is attached to it. And so mm -hmm. you're looking at a piece of land, whether it's a piece of land in the inner city or um, some land in the rural area, and you're looking at it and, and asking, what can I do with this piece of land? What's the best use today for this land? Not the house, not the property, but for the land. And how can I maximize the use and the potential of it? And, and in doing that, I know there's a lot of creativity that, can, that goes alongside with it. And there's also some responsibility because you're also putting down a building that's going to be there for at least 50 years or more, maybe right. long after you're gone. And, you know, what do you want to be known for and be responsible for? I think sometimes developers can get a very bad rap 
based on, oh, they just go in and they knocked out all the green spaces until they took this out and they took that out. And, and so even and it doesn't that, fit in with the rest of the neighborhood. It doesn't, you know, and so you, you have to think that through because it's not about the almighty dollar in the end. It's also what, what am I known for? Um, what's my name going to be um, associated with out there? So what are you thinking of? You're, you're thinking about, um, build to to hold and to rent give or take or have you got a specific piece of property in mind already or are you yeah. kind of on the lookout for that right now and if yeah. so what's what, what are you kind of looking for what size of building are you thinking about yeah so there's a couple of properties that um that we have right now and so we're just renting them out and doing our due diligence and then the planning nice. phase um but the idea would be to um you know knock them down and put purpose-built townhouses Okay. Um, so that you know to attract it's a different type of tenants um, so it would be probably a family or young professionals that would live in something like that in inner city areas so they value living in the inner city close to transit close to the downtown core um, they want to stay there um, they're townhouses and they're brand new townhouses but in established neighborhoods okay yeah now just to paint a picture for me what size of a lot or lots are you looking at? Is this like one big lot or is it, a, have you done a little bit of a land assembly or, or what, what does this look like? Yeah, both. So, you know, a minimum size lot that you'd be looking at here, I think in Calgary would be probably 50, 50 by hundred um, foot lot. And so, but land assemblies are great. And so we have a couple of those that we're working on, you know, where you can get maybe a bunch of those right next to each other. And then, you, you know, there's much more creativity on what you can do. Um, well, I guess that. the ones that you're currently working on, the properties that you currently have, what do those look like? Are they single lots or are they a couple single, of lots? Single yeah. right now. Yeah. And how, so you got a single family home on there. How many townhouses will you be able to put on that size of a lot? It depends. Well, for Calgary, I think it depends on what the zoning is, what that you get on there. And there's yeah. definitely restrictions, but you can go for anywhere from three to five townhouses. On a, on a, a lot that had one single family home on it before. That's right. That's right. Okay. Wow. That is much better use of that land space. That's for sure. Very, very cool, Tara. So it sounds like you've already got some experience working with joint venture partners and, and raising private capital to do some deals. Maybe walk me through what's your journey been like in that side of things? Uh, um, yeah, that's been very interesting because that was the one thing I was, I think, quite hesitant Mm. on doing because you know as a real estate investor i think a lot of us we attend the real estate seminars and conferences and they say well you know if you don't have the money you partner up with somebody who does and then you do this together but in my you know in my um, professional experience people don't always work well together and those yeah. things are always as simple as they seem um so the one thing that i've learned obviously being true to myself and how i like to work with people um is to examine whether or not you have a rapport with the person um, in terms of working together and also ask the question of what do they need? Hmm. What do they need? It's not just what I need. Okay. I need you to qualify for a house for me so that I can do this. Or I need you to get, you know, to lend me money at a great interest rate, because that's not what business is. Um, you know, ultimately I think business comes down to relationship. Hmm. And so your joint venture partners, you need to be true to your own ethos, um, your own values and that sort of thing. Um, so asking the, you know, asking the other individual and discerning what do they need and do you have something to offer them? 
Um, can you offer them and help them along the way? And if you don't, then why are you in partnership with that individual? So that's how I approach joint version partnerships. I approach it. Um, and, you know, and with that in mind, then there's a lot of creativity that would, um, that would allow for the work um, that we do, because then they don't have to look a certain way. They don't have to be by paper. Um, yes, it might be typically, this is what it looks like, but you can do it any way you want to if, if the partner is getting what they need and you're getting what the, what you need and you there's a give, bit of give and take in that that's a joint venture deal right there and the way i look at it too is that when i'm in a joint venture deal with somebody whether it's a consulting project or anything that they're relying on me on or and you know they giving me something offering something back in return i see them as a client mm. and so I'm seeing them as a client that people that I'm going to serve. And so I work very hard to make sure that they get good returns on their investment, whatever that is, whether it's their time or their money. Um, and that we, I treat them the exact same way I would want to be treated in that relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Tara, Hey, congratulations on what you've accomplished. That's great. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show. I think this is your very first podcast interview. Right. That's right. Yeah. You've knocked it out of the park. You've done a great job. So you're, you're, you're in good shape for the other ones that you've got lined up. And yeah. awesome. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate, I appreciate it. having you on the call. All right, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Have a great day.